0: Hold on, let me ruin it real quick. <laughs> Are we on? oh
1: okay. Dad's home.
2: No. I didn't God finish the it. dishes! God
1: damn it! How many
0: times have I told you not to leave the goddamn Dad, garage door open? No. That's right, folks, daddy's home. Welcome to the motherfucking podcast, the official podcast of The Rock Combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. My name is Aaron Howell. And I am Tony Lee. Back there on the dials is, of course, Gordon Ledfoot himself. Yay! Tony, it's been a long time since we've sat down and just had a conversation, man.
1: That's not true. It's been a
0: while since we did it without microphones. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we did it without without microphones and without anyone else in the room. Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to it, because we got a lot to catch up on. But before we get into that, well, we got a lot to catch up <laughs> on, uh, most notably the fact that I uh, helped bring a child into this world. Whose child? Wait,
1: some guy. <laughs> um, he, wait, he, you helped deliver a, a baby from a guy? Yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some guy's baby. <laughs> some guy's baby. It
0: was a butt baby. I don't know. Uh, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the dink. Um, independent comic expo coming up this weekend. And, uh, we're gonna take a question. There was a, a very nice question from our buddy Mike, uh, from the band Crowbone out in, um, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Great band. We've mentioned it before on the podcast. Uh, yeah. But before we get into that, I just wanna say thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. If you like what we do, there are many ways you can support the podcast. You can, of course, uh, the easiest way is to give us a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify. it goes a long way. It goes such a long way on Spotify or iTunes. Or if anybody listens to us on Google Play, which based on the data, I don't think they do. But if any of you listen to us on Google Play, you can review us on there as well. That goes a long way. Um, You can tell people. About this show, you can just talk to them and be like, "There's this really funny group of guys that occasionally say something semi-insightful that applies to Sometimes. the independent artist experience." Artist. You can share it on social media. Uh, that, of course, always helps. Facebook and Twitter and all that, we are on all the things. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at MF. Ruckus Band. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, our handle is at MF. Ruckus The Band. Don't get them confused. Somebody already had MF Ruckus band? Uh, It was either that or I made them both close to the same time without thinking of it. Mm. Or like I made the Facebook one first and then made the Twitter one and I was like, the band works better. Damn it. I can't remember. Uh, We're on Instagram, of course, at MF Ruckus. You can go to our website, MFRuckus.com. And probably the best and most awesomest and most extreme nachos type of way that you can support us is uh, by going to Patreon.com slash MF Ruckus. Hell yeah. Get yourself a dog. Put some sunglasses on it. First of all, round of applause. Round of applause for the patrons, the people. Back us on patreon.com. We really appreciate the shit out of you guys. Um, yeah, we took a week off because, um, well, something came up. Well, oh, so, something came out. Something came out. Something came down into the world. Something came out of the world. You don't come into the world, you come out of it. Whoa, that's a really interesting way to think about it. And we'll get there. We'll get there at the end. We're going to talk about the new bouncing baby bundle of joy that came into my life last week. You uh, might hear to my vo- does my voice sound different? Like uh, no, like Sarah said, like in pictures of me and stuff like that. There's a twinkle in my eye that did not there's, exist. There is. There's a pep in your step. Your
3: eye, and there's something very dadly about you. Yeah, there's a pep in
1: your step, but you sound the same.
0: I feel like I was always meant to be a dad. And that I just didn't know where to put all that dadly energy out into the world. So it just it turned me into a lunatic. But we'll talk about that. Well, now, the now, the now
1: Ruckus is just going to be like the the older sibling that doesn't get any attention anymore. And we're going to start fucking the house up left and right. Does that mean you're going to regress? Does that regress. mean you
0: guys are? So that's what happens. The the firstborn child, when the second child comes in, they usually regress to some degree. We're going to do just that. Yeah. So Gordo's coming with us. So does that I mean you guys that. are going to start pooping on the floor yep. and 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 biting and and wanting to be breastfed, even though you've been off of the breast for like two years now? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get you through it, honey. No, I'm running away. I've been following this mommy podcast and. <laughs> <laughs> reading, reading the 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 Doctor Sears big book, and and we'll get you through it. Anyway, but we'll get there. But first, I want to talk about uh, this weekend. We are going to be performing live oh, yeah. on uh, Sunday, the fourteenth Sunday March. Wait, April, April Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, Psst. what month is it? I'll take Dude, that. The, 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 the look, Let's just put this just away put, for a minute. Just put this away. Uh, Sunday, April fourteenth at two o'clock p.m. We'll be performing at the annual Dink Independent Comic Con and Arts Expo. That is going to be at uh, the McNichols Civic Center in downtown Denver. Um, man, they get a huge turnout for this. It, of course, was started by the LaGreca Brothers, who founded the original Denver Comic Con hmm. and then broke off to start their own independent Comic Con. And in some circles, Dink is considered the real Comic Con. Whoa. it's considered the real Comic Con. Well, I guess we'll
1: have to find out well, for ourselves. Hey, Come you know, weekend. we're
0: we're sending a lot of press releases out to to people in the comic world right now, so I don't want to shoot myself in the foot and talk any shit because I've never even been to a yeah, Comic Con. Like, How, How do you talk before? shit about something you don't know? Yeah, I've never been to a leave Comic-Con that to before. me. But what I have heard is that the the regular Denver Comic Con. It, it actually changed its name. It's a pop culture expo now, like it's comic and <sighs> pop culture expo. I bet. So I think, from what I understand, is Dink is much more focused on. It's more of a counterculture expo. It's more like um, comics and zines and independent art and sort of, sort of the. If the De- if the Denver Comic Con is cocaine. Dink is the free base. Whoa. You know, okay. it's kind of that purified, cooked off, kind of like, nah, 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 the thing that like, <laughs> okay, you know, the gong, <laughs> gong, 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 gong. That's, uh, that's what the Dink Independent Comic Con is. But we're really looking forward to performing at it this weekend.
1: Yeah, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's I can't wait get to get on there and uh, check out all the different booths and all the different kinds of artwork if that's going to be there. It's going to be pretty Is this out.
0: our first time doing any kind of um, convention, a con, if you will? I don't know. I don't think we've done any type of convention stuff before. I've been we mis- are certainly an unconventional band. <sniffs> dude, the dad jokes—they just dude. It's like okay, it's when it, you have a kid as a woman. <laughs> That's, no, what like, get. That's what you get—that's what you get. It's like it's like <laughs> as soon as you give birth to a child as a woman, like your breast milk starts coming in. It's like as a man, your fucking your dad
1: joke ducts start. Start producing? No, no, no. no. What, what happens is all your bad jokes are just now correctly labeled as dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's like now I just don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, now there's a reason why you told Because I'm not jokes. trying to have
0: sex with anybody anymore. <laughs> so I can just let my true personality shine through. That's what dad jokes you really can, You are. can
1: throw all the jokes out there, which, let's be honest, are mostly threes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly threes. <laughs> mostly threes. But hey, man, three threes add up to a nine. That's so right. There yeah. you go. <laughs> anyway, uh the Dink Comic-Con. It's uh we're gonna be, of course, there promoting uh the front lines of good times. Chapter, uh Chapter two. Right. We've been um we've been embarking on a pretty massive campaign right now. We've got a bunch of interviews coming up. Uh, I actually at the end of this podcast I have to get over to do the 5280 Geek podcast to talk to him about it. Um me and Jake Fairley have a bunch of stuff coming up to talk about the comic interviews uh Westward's getting ready to interview him about it. Um I'm doing I think we're going to do a few things at the at the Comic-Con and and of course hang out at Jake Fairley's booth cuz most of the money that he makes is at Dink. Like his biggest payday of the year is at Dink. That's tight. So he pretty much... It's g- his Super Bowl. Well, and so a lot of what he does... It's his restaurant week. It's his restaurant it week. So a
1: lot... <laughs> it's oh. his Black Friday.
0: Exactly. A lot of what Jake does is he sits at the table and he draws commission pieces for people. You make a lot... Like, basically, somebody comes by and sees their stuff, and they go, Will you draw me something? And they pay you to do commission pieces for them. That's how a lot of the artists make their money. So Jake's going to be drawing the entire time. Sweet. So he kind of needs is, is Hail Satan playing at all Hail Satan is playing Fuck Hail yeah. Satan is playing I think at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on the Saturday the 13th oh uh, we're playing the
1: next day
0: yeah and we're playing the next day <sighs> so what Jake needs now Jake has no trouble talking to people we've had him on the podcast that dude will talk your ear off all day if, if you let him he's, he's super easy to talk to but he's going to be drawing the entire time <laughs> did you want to no, get a word in edgewise <laughs> Sony?
1: <laughs> no he talks a lot too but uh, I right, was just thinking of somebody else I guess <laughs>
0: So, so uh, we're gonna be hanging out at uh, we're gonna be, at least for a little bit of it when I'm when I'm not uh, at home doing dad stuff. Um, dad stuff. We're gonna we're gonna be doing some hanging out at Jake Fairley's booth and talking to people about the comic and selling and signing some stuff. We'll probably have some ruckus merch there. Yeah. Um And Jake's gonna be live drawing and uh, hopefully he gets access to a projector so he can. He can live work on The, the Front Lines of Good Times in front of some people. That's going to be fucking tight. So we're really, we're, really uh, we're working on some things. I'm thinking of trying to record a podcast. I don't know. i got to talk to Jim Norris about that, who is supposed to be our guest tonight, um, but had some things come up, and hopefully we'll have him on the, on the show here soon. Yeah, we don't soon. have any paper on the table. Big shout out to Jim, of course, hey, from Jim. Mutiny Information Cafe. Uh, really looking forward to uh,
1: having him hey, on Jim. the show here soon. Um, I wanted to talk to him about that new uh, Honey Pot Dean Ween uh, books. He's got he's got a piece of mutiny in there. I'm yeah. pretty sure, but I don't know too much about it. I wanted to talk to him about it today. Yeah, but I guess the world will have to wait. Is he for, involved with that? Thing? He, so uh, the the lounge itself, you know, you know, about the lounge where everybody's going in and smoke weed. Yeah, for
0: those with. of you who don't know, Dean Ween from my favorite band of all time, Ween, has opened a. Cannabis friendly. It's like a, it's a weed lounge. bar. You it's know? A, like it's a you, weed you
1: bring ball. your own weed in, and you can sit around and smoke weed, and they have music or whatever. But I can't Mutiny's wait to play it, but exactly. And Mutiny uh, has like, Dean Ween group is playing the 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 front part of it. I guess is all like this mini bookstore, and it's uh, commissioned by Mutiny, curated by Mutiny, curated. Uh, I think it's their books. It's it's a bunch. I think oh, it's like you know.
0: So it's like, it's like a consign, satellite cons- consignment, it, whatever. I don't know what the I don't know. Where's be. Jim? They got that. their shit in there. Well, we're going to have to ask Jim about that on 420. Um, but on 420 at the Honeypot, they're doing that puffball thing yeah. that I would love to go to. No. But I also don't want to be in that first group of super fans that go to the Honeypot on 420. Um, you know? If the planets line up right, I'll go. I, I, I think it's, yeah, I if see, I got in I for free. That. You know what, actually, we're gonna be busy that night, Tony.
1: Well then I'm not going.
0: Yeah. Because we're <laughs> you we're know, doing as well. We're doing a top secret midnight show. Speaking of Jim Norris and Mutiny, top secret show at midnight on Saturday, four twenty, so stay tuned for that. I know what
1: you're talking about. So I just got it.
0: <laughs> how do you how,
1: So how do you Wait, when's that coming up? Four twenty. At what time?
0: Midnight. Damn. <laughs> Where are you all on right. the sound effects, Gordo? He can't. I'm a little p- slow today, guys. Sorry. He can't play him that fast. All right. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. What are you
1: looking forward to about about the Dink, Tony? The Dink? Yeah. What are you looking forward to about it? Well, like I said, all, all the all the crazy good artwork that's going to be around there. You know, I've never, I've never been to a comic con or, or seen. I'm outside of like uh first Friday walks and all that, you know. You know, I never see that much art collection from different artists in the same place at the same time. Right. That's what I'm looking forward to the have most. Have you ever been to the NAM show or anything like that or any type of trade show? Yeah. It's kind of like that. No, I I I've been to convention centers where they have shows like you know trade that shows. that are doing other things but yeah. just never
0: like any type of media expo sort of thing or like um, Yeah, I actually
1: I worked I worked a few of them actually. What did you work? I've worked um, the CES show, the Consumer Electronics Show. You worked that? I worked that in Vegas. That was uh. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, no, that was a different one. That one, the one that I was that we we lived together was the IBS show. Irritable bowel syndrome <laughs> show. <laughs> See, that, that, no, that's not what it was though. It was the what? In, It was the International Beauty Show.
2: Oh my God! How did they miss that? I <laughs> know,
1: dude. The whole time I was there, I was like. Really? So you see these big banners. This IBS. I just man,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry to stereotype here, <laughs> but I'm just imagining some like some like fashion, you know, icon just being like this year we shall put on the international beauty show in Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll call it the IBS. <laughs> and then somebody's down below going like Madam <laughs> chauffeur, whatever fucking Stupid ass fashion name is like. Just say Madame. Yeah, Madame. We can't call it IBS because do not contradict me, <laughs> Underling. <laughs> we shall call it the IBS. It'll be the shit.
2: <laughs> Quit getting up my ass.
1: Uh yeah. Any old who? Yeah, worked that one. Ah.
0: Uh, Man, it's good to be back on the show. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. I'm really happy to sit down and talk with you, buddy. (laughs) And I'm really looking forward to playing a gig this weekend at a reasonable hour. At a very reasonable hour. At a very reasonable hour. Okay. So, I'm going to get off topic. Weird, I know. But we talked about... What did
1: you want Gordo to time again? I can't remember.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, he's just at least. He's gonna, like, we're at minute hey, 10. Hey, we're only in 10 minutes, and we talked about the oh, first boy, topic we to were going to
1: talk about. It's only been 10 we're gonna, minutes.
0: I mean, this all, this all interweaves. Um, no, but uh, so we talked about the Grown Ass Man Rock Show, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought of another series I want to start doing. And this is partially inspired by Tim Kiefer from Punk Dad, absolutely. Um, but uh, you heard me talking about this about with this. Uh, with Joey last night. I, I want to start... I
1: stayed very low in the shrub for
0: that one. You'll have to tell me why in a second. Okay. I uh, I want to start a, a series of matinee shows called the Daytime Dad Rock Show. And basically, it's all families, but it's all just regular-ass bands that would be at a regular-ass show. And one of our, like, presuppositions of the organization is is, like... Look, listen, every band is a kid's band if you teach context to your kids right It's like we're not going to censor any bands that come on here. It's up to you as a parent to be like that band that's up there saying singing about death and violence and and partying and all this stuff and and monsters and whatever else they're singing about that's all make believe it's all entertainment it's all just for fun you know i i i I really think that. It's okay to introduce kids to bands that use dirty words and talk about scary stuff. Yeah, I think kids absolutely. are way smarter than we give them credit. You know what I mean? You agree, Gordo?
1: Yeah, man. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So I had this idea, and and now it's not all it, like it's not all uh, altruistic. There is a definitely capitalist side to it, where, where it's like now it's hard to get a hundred people out to a show on a Friday night, but. What if you told them they could bring their wife and their kids? Then you got four people or five people at the show, and suddenly that hundred people becomes 400 or 500 people. You do it in the middle of the day. It's over by, what, seven o'clock at night?
1: So I can charge like 15 bucks for the whole family? Something like that? It's a really good idea. It's a a great idea. But I would have to say if you're going to do that, you also have to do a night show.
0: You think the so? For, house. For,
1: for the <laughs> Put the bouncy house in the. Front. Dude,
0: set up the bouncy house in the pit. God damn it!
1: Yeah, other, but you'd have to do the late show afterwards because not everybody wants to do cocaine in front of a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you think now? Do you think so? You would have to do both shows. You'd have to do the
0: daytime show and the late show. I would just rather do both shows. I think we should try and experiment. Usually,
1: with that. when you're the band, you show up at like fucking two anyway, so you might as well play two shows. You're there, you're there all day anyhow. I think do we should try and experiment show with and it and the see. Drug
3: it. Show the dad show and the drug
0: show. Yeah, there the
1: dad go. show and the drug show. And some of them will go to be the dad and the drug show.
0: Yeah, some of them will go to both.
1: They'll bring the and kids And for those people, stop you, at the dealer's house on the way to our show. Right. Play We Don't Party, and he'll do Or if they're really river. cool,
0: if they're really cool, they'll stop and buy their drugs on their way to take the kids home from the daytime show.
1: Oh, so you can show the kids in context what yeah. it's like to buy cocaine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Listen, son, Daddy's about to go inside and buy some drugs from a man. See, when you go to bed, I'll be out at the MF Ruckus Late Show. Now, I don't invi- advise doing drugs until you get older, but when you do get older, make sure you pick the drugs that work right for you. Yeah. Excellent. You do just enough. Dude, all jokes aside, that might be a why. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I'll find out when I'm a teenager. Oh, boy. It might be wise to teach kids about doing the right drugs. When you get older, be like, listen— this is what I advise against. This is what my experience has been with drugs. This is what the, the facts and the research say about them. Your brain is still developing, so it's not a good idea to do anything until you get get much older and your brain stops, stops a certain level of development. But at that point, I would be like, don't do coke. Don't do meth. Don't do heroin. If you drink alcohol, do it in moderation. If you smoke pot, do it in moderation. If you take mushrooms, eh, once a year is pretty good, you know. Break it down for him. Be like, this is what I found out. You're going to have to figure it out for yourself, but don't be an idiot.
3: Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he buys That's drugs from on. a nice man on his way to the MF Ruckus Night Show. Um, but yeah, we should try and experiment with that. The drug dealing part or the show part? <laughs> the show
1: part. Okay. I just want to be And clear the drug dealing part is part of the show part. Okay. Um, We should sell our own drugs at the merch table. There you go.
0: Actually, dude... We did that one time. We did sell drugs at the merch table. We have done that before. That's how we finance that tour. Yeah? Oh, yeah! Yeah, we had the show at at Wasteland, and we did... um I wonder why they're not still open. We did that show at Wasteland where we sold all the beer, we sold all the merch, all the food, we sold all the
1: tickets. We worked everybody in our band and group worked, worked all the, the show. Worked the show. We worked uh, like we rotated the beer guy, the food guy, the door guy, yeah. the setup guy, uh, all the shit. Yeah, we ran the entire thing. <clears throat> And And then we had one guy in the band who remained nameless. Who sold drugs. Who sold the drugs for the band and used, like, half the profits for that to put it into the tour. He
0: sold so many drugs that day.
1: He did. that finance the tour? That pretty much did, like, the 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 on top. (laughs) You know what the best
0: part is? Is, like, the drug money, it it kind of looked a lot like our comparative Spotify numbers. The drug money was, like, Iron Maiden- and the <laughs> yeah. show money was nice. like us.
3: Yeah. Artisanal handcrafted cocaine.
0: <laughs> Artisanal hand-cranked cocaine. <laughs> mm. But yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to Dink this weekend. I'm really working, uh, looking forward to playing. We haven't played in a little while. I'm looking forward to to seeing how it works there at the booth. And um and man, I'm I'm telling you, like we are we are really charging forward with uh, getting the word out about about the comic. We're uh, we're hoping to hear from some um, some national press here coming up real soon. It's uh, oh yeah, dude. We, so stay tuned for a lot of stuff that's going on. Macy Little is almost done with the motion comic. That's looking great. And um, Gordo just got the the email on this. We got something big that we're working on right now. It looks like here at the end of May. We're going to do a live stream listening party on Facebook Live and do a pre-order drive for the new record, The Frontlines of Good Times, live from Evergroup Studio, hopefully, if not from here at the Nug Nation. May We're 27th, still, right? May 27th. We're still working out the details, but it's going to be around that time.
1: Around that time? So it's flexible?
0: It, it's probably going to be May
1: 27th. Okay. Why? We'll talk about it later. It's okay, logistic stuff. You
0: you don't want to talk about our our schedules and and boring banal minutiae on our podcast. Everybody I mean, buddy, pull out your phones now. Okay, <laughs> no, I can meet you at a. Oh shit, no, I can't go. That
1: day, because... I you're have. not even looking at anything. You're <laughs> just looking at this trophy. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm making... I'm, I'm pretending to be making... Oh, uh, yeah. When you look down to the right, that means you're
0: trying to think of something on the fly, right? Or no, I was, right? I was pretending to look at my phone, oh. while actually looking in the direction of my phone.
1: You should have just looked at your phone. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: so, yeah, if you are planning to go to the Dink Comic Con this weekend... How do you get tickets? How do you get tickets? Go to dinkdenver.com and check it out. I think they had an issue with uh, tickets on the website, but it's, it's looking like it's getting fixed. So hopefully. Did that get,
1: did that get taken care of? By the time this that?
0: podcast airs, it'll definitely be taken care okay. of. Okay. Because we're recording this on Monday, and this will probably be out Thursday or Friday, something like oh, that. Oh, shit. So, uh, so yeah, man. Um, Rink a dink, dink. All right. We're at 18 minutes, 19 okay, minutes. Perfect. Should we stop? I think what we should do is we should keep calling attention to the fact that we're timing our segments for yeah. the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, let's do a callback. Gordo, time check. Time check, Gordo.
1: 1857.
0: 1857. Oh my God, we got to change topics. Uh, 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 Dr. Uh, pepper, all right. Uh, hey, this is the uh,
2: case. I'm a pepper, you're a pepper. I'm all right. Yeah, we're all
0: peppers, aren't we? Oh, Okay. Actually, um, I wanted to... Uh, you know, I, I mentioned ways that you can support the show at the beginning of the episode. One major way is just shooting us a message. Yeah, um, yeah, we love hearing from the people who watch or yeah, listen to the you. show. We love hearing from the people that listen to the band. I mean, really, dude, we do it. We do this whole thing for probably a few dozen people around the world that actually talk to us. Really, that's that's what we do this for, and we fucking love hearing from you guys. We especially love it when um, people kind of, you know, the, this podcast is something that we, we want it to be fun. We want it to be silly. We want it to be a giant commercial for the band. I, you know, I'll come right out and that's, say it. That's pretty much how it started. Yeah, that's pretty much how it started. It's just like trying to create extra content for the band. But we also really... It's not really that anymore, though. No, it's I not I mean, that. it is that. It,
1: but we, we put that in the middle, but...
0: Well, it's the couple hours of hangout time before band practice it's, is really what it is.
1: I would I would say one of my favorite things about... Uh, doing this podcast is that uh, outside of me and you, me and you hang out quite a bit, right? Um, but having a guest on here is the only real time that, even if they're good friends of mine, the only time I get to sit down and talk to somebody for two hours or see you, well, talk and to really for two hours, learn about them and really learn about them. Like, like when we know, had mal- you're, if you're out if you're out at a bar with somebody and you start interviewing them, you can't. It's not even interview. You can't sit down and talk to somebody for two hours one on one like that. I mean, it hardly happens. If somebody gets up to take a piss. There's other people there. People are coming in. And right. out, people are smoking. Whatever in this environment you get like the one-on-one two hours straight of getting to know somebody and how they feel about certain things well
0: and you get to know them in a different context too because like when you're now there are conversations when you have those conversations on a tour or at a bar or at a at an after party or something like that where you and someone like really have one of those magic fucking unicorn conversations that like you're like fuck man I hope I remember that for the rest of my life like that was the best conversation I've had in a long time you know those things that you wish you would get on the podcast that's great I mean, that's obviously the best thing ever, but it's also great to be able to take people from your life and sit them down and just, and, and like really right out the gate, begin to get information about them, their experience, their story, where they come from, um, you know, and, and introduce them to other people. Yeah. Like that's that's really fun to be able to introduce things that you like to other people. And so that's a big part of this podcast. But another big part of this podcast is we really strive to make it informative and helpful to other people in our similar situation, right. which are artists, musicians, artists, writers, ri- writers, writers, you know, that's painters, you do, right? sculptors. <laughs> I'm a writer. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, basically anyone who is trying to navigate um, this vast abyss of, you know, it, it, which is full this of opportunity. This
1: abyss of blind man's bluff?
0: Yeah, dude. Well, and now is probably a better time than ever in many ways to be an independent artist because – the The advent of the internet and social platforms, the, tool, the tools are much easier the, to get for the, the tools,
2: individual. Yeah,
0: it's leveled the playing leveled playing field. The playing a little field too much, if you ask me. Well, but if you know if you know how to use equal parts of gaming the system and serving people. I won't just say gaming the system, because then you end up with a threatened type of situation. You know what I mean? That shit was badass. Like It's badass. I loved it. But Every it's second It's badass, of it. and he gamed the system, but he didn't have the product to back it up. That is a real problem, because listening to his band, it
1: sucks It sucks so bad. <laughs> is and it I, really bad?
3: I haven't listened to it's it. Awful, it's awful, dude. It's, i only read
1: about this. It's game. not like a... I, I don't know. I don't it's know. Not, so, it's, it seemed like a, somebody... Good guy. Bad man. Seemed it like, seemed, seemed like something you'd uh, see opening up at Herman's Hideaway um yeah and, the, and then the main guy was No, that there's anything wrong with Herman Sideway. And, and the main and the, and the main thing, <laughs> you know the main band was uh White Snake or something you know yeah yeah it's it's like I don't know but yeah it's just not not very good but man what a fucking game yeah that like it's that Shit. shit's tight and slick. <laughs> you, you, have, yeah. you have to be. You have to be really comfortable with being a villain. You know, like like Alice Cooper, fucking Marilyn Manson, or something. You know, yeah. or, or or you know, heel wrestlers. You have to be ready to get all those boos so that you can come back because people will still show up. But you know. He, I, he, I, definitely, I think, he definitely knew what he was doing. That's I think, what I think what it's likely if he goes
3: back to Europe now. Like, what would happen if he goes back on that same tour now? What, th- he can't
1: work with those promoters, but he'll book a different show and and that'll sell. I think pants. he had a really good idea, but I don't think he had any
0: force, foresight, and no. I don't think he values credibility very much. No. and hasn't taken into account that he'll be cycled out the toilet. I like, think he already has.
1: Yeah, th- this that's, this was his music uh, his musical suicide, jumping off the San Francisco bridge. You know, right. Maybe if he did it just, just to see to if he could do, do fuck it. Fuck it, I'm done with music. I'm just going to try to punk everybody one time. Hey, it worked. He was I, in
3: Rolling Stone for crazy. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but I think <laughs> I think the guy I think it sucks, but I mean <laughs>
0: there's something about it's it. That's, clever. There's something about him that's very hubristic, you know, in the sense that like he $5 almost $5 reminds me of you ever seen um a, The King of Kong? Okay, the the champion dude. The guy, Absolutely,
3: the guy right. opposite the barbecue sauce guy,
0: the barbecue sauce guy. I don't know his fucking name, and we shouldn't utter it anyway. But that an guy, asshole. that guy thinks he's like a fucking god among men, and I think that threaten it, Jared threaten is like is like I showed all of you, and I'm gonna be famous, and da, da, da and it's just very. It, comes across to me, I don't know the guy, he could be a fucking total Andy Kaufman level genius for all I know. That's
1: what I'm hoping for.
0: His press materials almost look like he's deliberately
1: trying to look like shit. Exactly.
0: Like, you look at his stuff and you go, this guy sucks. I make really good on you, but this guy sucks. It's like
1: he jumped off the top of the Sears Tower covered in fireworks, you know? He's just like, fuck music! (laughs) Fuck music! It just fuck the career all over, you know. But fuck and, me. And then on the way down, everybody goes, Whoa!
0: Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then much. he hits the ground. Fuck music. Yeah,
2: fuck.
1: That's
0: fucking good. Um so yeah. Back to the original point. We love that this show can be helpful <laughs> and informative
2: sometimes.
0: <laughs> no, we really wanna we really wanna help and inform people and, and at the very least, share our experience. You know, because, dude, we're all going through the same shit. You go on tour, yeah. you talk to the other bands on tour, everybody's saying the same fucking thing. It's like, oh, this promoter fucked us over. Ooh, f- which we I should sh- talk about something later
1: I on in about the episode. That. I know what you yeah,
0: about. We should talk about that if we have time. Talk about um, down in California? Yeah, we should talk about that. Because that same the time. thing happened to us, didn't it? Kinda. Kind of, we'll talk about okay. it. But I want the dirt, we're we're
1: all <laughs> the dirt. We're all <laughs> it, it going. happens to take place in L.A. Yeah, yeah, across we're at, the street from where those guys played. Yeah, we'll get to the Candid. if we if we have time. We've got a
0: special extra segment we're going to throw in that that I think I think should be we're at seven, I think should be a cautionary tale to so. everyone. So um so what I wanted to so what I wanted to do real quick is I wanted to uh, we got we received uh, a comment. And uh, a question from uh, Michael James Hamilton from the band Crowbone out of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He shot me a message that I wanted to share with you guys. So Mike says... Damn near caught up on the podcast. We played together in OKC, y'all, and Crowbone. I appreciate some of the insight you guys give. Seeing how Crowbone has been struggling to create a solid business plan and or meet the algorithm, it helps to know things specifically for us less experienced bands. Cheers, Michael. Um, to, which I said, to which I said, man, I can't tell you how validating that is to hear. We really go out of our way to make our show as useful as well as entertaining, uh, especially to independent artists. So thank you for saying so. P.S. My Crowbone mug is still in regular rotation, and that yeah, is, is true. Is, I drink from my Crowbone mug on a regular basis. So uh, then Mike says... We've been trying to figure out best promotion ideas for when we go out of state. Maybe that's something you could bring up in a future podcast. Also, when y'all book out of state, do you use a booking agent that set a value standard or negotiated pay? Okay, so I want to... to. here we go. So, so there, there's, there's a lot of parts to that, so let's break oh, yeah. it down a little bit. Um, for going out of state... And I'll just say it right out the gate instead of giving you a bunch of meandering setup. I'll just tell you what we do now based upon what the platform uh, climates, climate is like and the way the platforms are working and what we have gotten results from and what we haven't. Because the fact of the matter is, is it is going to change all the time. The the, the way that business is done is going to change all the time. Our drummer, Ty, has a music business degree that is worth fuck all because the music industry completely changed after he graduated college. Yeah. That's one thing you can say for sure is
3: these industries are going to constantly change. I took a music business course two years ago that's completely invalid. Completely Uh out of date. It's completely out of date. Holy shit. So
0: most importantly, just be flexible and pay attention the one thing that is going to remain more or less steadfast throughout your life is your core group of
1: network. The people that you have in I, your corner. I was I was going to say the most the most important thing for going on out of state places or even out of country places is the relationships, relationships. The relationships that you build. Right. And the relationships that we have now were built off of other
0: relationships. You know, you in your stores of people have at least 150 people that you can reach out to and contact that are within your, just within your network who can introduce you to other
1: people. So start with what you've got. And, and be be willing that first try out there not to be very good. Like your, right. your first time going out there, you're kind of proving yourself the first time. And if, But the, I think the important thing for that is if you play well and... And more importantly, if you're cool to people, if you act well, if you act cool, if you're you're not a drunken asshole at the end and you're not fucking being loud and wrecking wrecking shit and getting in fights and anything like that, or just really being a sloppy drunk, just being a piece of shit, yeah, being a piece of shit in general, be professional.
2: Um,
0: That's our one rule. Just Just one rule, man. Just be cool. That's it. So, so what I would say, first of all, Mike and anyone else who, who um, is curious about this number one decide what you want to do, what that looks like, where you want to go, like get a get an overall vision for what it is that you want to do and then start asking yourself, you know, how can I move the needle on this a little bit today? What do I got? What do I need? What's next? Bingo. Those are those are three Bingo. Yeah, those are those are three very very important questions that you can ask yourself over and over again on any project endeavor is what do I got, what do I need, what's next? Right. So you, know, you take a survey of, of who you have in your in your corner, you know. Like if you've got a vision that you want to be touring six months out of the year in the United States, and that's going to be your key market, all right? Great. Who do you know that is already doing that? And start reaching out to them. So here's the thing. If you're talking about reaching out to, one, venues and two media outlets, most of them will not even read your emails. Right. Period. Fuck cold calling, dude. Cold calling is a waste of your time and resources. You do it as a last resort after you've tapped everything that is directly in front of you. You talk to the people that you know, and you go, hey, do you guys know someone in dot, dot, dot? And you go from there. I, I, this is just based on numerous experiences and tons of wasted hours sending fucking press releases and introduction emails to, to venues and da 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 da, da yeah. which you have to do that too, but you do it after you've <laughs> right, done the other right. shit. because yeah, all of it. And, and now, don't misunderstand me. You, you definitely are still going to have to do the cold calls and the cold emails to fill in dates here and there, but start with what you've got. That is going to be – 20% of your contacts are going to give you 80% of your results. Right. Period. Your, your, your network is your, is your best resource there. So what I would do is focus on who you've got, who you know, and, and just start building on top of those, those little victories. The other thing I will say oh, – Buy on a tour, get a shitload of money. Yeah, they the, buy on <laughs> <It> so, works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the. That was something that was really hard for us to to get onto to get that opportunity, and we got that opportunity through our network. Right, we got the, the we got over to Europe. Because we were friends with some people who were some friends with some people who were some friends with some people, and friends helped us book the extra dates, and friends introduced us to people, and friends linked us up. It's it's the relationships
1: you build. Yeah. Don't don't be an asshole. Yeah. Be cool, man. People are way... Unless you're super, super, super fucking good, and you can draw a million people every show, maybe you can be an asshole and nobody will say anything, but... uh, You have have to build relationships. It's the most important thing in, I think, life. That's how how everybody gets by.
0: Now, as far as something that's a little more concrete, you know, we just gave you a lot of abstract uh, concepts on that. Um, So as far as stuff that's like actually concrete, as far as um, bringing money in, here's, or uh, of asking for money and negotiating contracts, here's the fact of the matter, is if you're going into a new market, you have no leverage. Whatsoever. You, you have no way to leverage any kind of compensation from a venue. At the point that you're booking a show, the venue essentially has all the control. And if they let you know from the get go what their policies are, you have little recourse. That being said, and we're going to talk about this and this other thing later, is I feel that venues have the obligation to right out the gate, be super upfront with, what they plan to give and what they ex- what their expectations are and what they're agreeing to do. Yeah. Um, so be wary, them or not. be wary of any place that isn't. At the same time, sometimes you find venues that are a little more mom and pop and a little more rough around the edges, and they don't deal with that shit. And sometimes you have the best time in your life and play some of the best shows you've ever played and make the best friends, and they hook you up with... An obscene amount of alcohol and food and hospitality. Yeah. and so you kind of have to weigh those things. You know, you kind of got to go with whatever options are going to be within your value structure. Um, but as far as asking for money, it's
1: In small g- towns pay a lot. It's, more.
0: it's generally it's generally best to just say what you normally get and see what they normally do and go from there, and then go from there. Go back and forth with them. You know, they go and, – and some of them will flat out tell you. They'll be like, well, that's not going to happen. This is what we offer. Right. You know. But at least you're not having the conversation. Another thing I would say is they're used to doing business. So don't be afraid to ask for shit. Right. But be fucking cool about it. Don't be afraid to ask them how much they pay bands. Don't be afraid to ask them what their hospitality is. Don't be afraid to send them a fucking stage plot. You know? Uh, Sometimes people don't respond well to a writer, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, you just send it out. The worst thing that happens, they say no. Or worst thing that happens is they filter themselves out. At least they know you're serious and at least they know you mean business. But be be willing to be flexible, be willing to negotiate. Um, so, So generally, what I would recommend is more talking to bands find bands that you want to play with in a certain market or get introduced to those bands through friends in your network and start with them and have them help you build a show. In a lot of cases, you can um, you can trade out dates in your hometown or you can introduce them to people in your network. It, I mean, it's all gravy, baby. It's a, a rising tide lifts all ships. So most people in our area of the industry anyway are pretty cool about share and
1: share alike. You know, I, I remember when Road Crew and Fourth Year first met – it was, it was more of the show trade thing. So, like, you, when you guys would come to Chicago, all the money made at the show would go to you. But and then when we you came to Denver, we would get all the money from the fourth year show. And
0: that's one of those unspoken agreements that I think needs to be more spoken is...
1: That's that's the real DIY. If you are
0: hosting in the town, yeah. touring band gets the money. Yeah. How many fucking times have we been on the road where some band, you know, there's like $40 at the door and they're like, and here's your half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Fuck off
0: Yeah Fuck off Gordo
1: you're the bandad of Tweet aren't you? Yeah pretty much What do you you got to say about all this?
3: I think think you're absolutely right Like we we just had that situation the other night where we played with Randy And you know I think everybody gave him the money He's on tour Right we Those f- four blocks. of you guys.
1: We drove a few blocks. Right. A <laughs> no, few blocks to go to our bar that we'd hang out at anyway.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We had a great time.
0: That yeah. That was fun. You know? And I mean, it's it's a way of basically because no one else is doing it for us. So we got to do it for each other. Right. You know? And and there were times in our younger days where I think we had a, mo- a lot more of that cocky competitive side where we went like, all these other bands are different from us and we, we stand out and we're rebels and we're, we're seen outsiders and blah, 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 blah. And we didn't make a ton of enemies, but we also didn't particularly make a lot of friends that we probably could have made during that time that probably would have enriched our lives and our careers in many ways. And so I I really recommend making that a number one priority. The Um, worst thing
3: you can do is act like you're better than everybody else. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Any situation.
0: Or like you've got nothing to learn and everything to teach. Um, You know, everybody's got something that they can teach you. I would say as far as like actual tangible things that you can do promotion-wise is is Facebook ads. Hmm. They... They will help you reach people who are already in your network. Basically, Facebook gives you access to this network. And then it, like they, they put this in t- this platform that has this huge network in front of you. And then they charge you to access it. It's a brilliant business model on their part. There's lots of fucked up awful things about Facebook, but they, they they were really smart in the way that they put that together. Their marketing business. So if you have people who follow your page in other markets, Facebook ads can be a good automated way to keep them aware that you're coming to their town. But I'll tell you what, you get a lot more people at your show if you contact your friends directly and you say, Hey man, we'd love to see you. Can I put you on the guest list? Da, 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 da. Or we used to we, I remember we used to uh ask people to hand out flyers for guest list spots. Yeah. And and I think that works for bigger bands. We didn't we had mixed results
1: with trying we to would, we would do that in, in certain towns and it would be definitely at the bar that we played at. Because we we mean or we would send uh, the flyer's over there. Right. And then, uh, like, some of our friends may get it, and they might put it up around town at some of the other bars they hang out with, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, a- I think that, that was something we used to do a lot more in the earlier days, but it, we hustled differently, but still hard. That was a that was pretty hard hustle contacting I, everybody. I
0: think, an, I think another thing to t- keep in mind while we're talking about this, this is kind of popping into my head, is the importance of understanding, you know— in response to the question, what does it take to make it in this business? What does it take to succeed? What does it take to even get to whatever marginal level of success that, that, that you might be imagining? Even if it's something as simple as just going on your own tour or, or putting out a oh, couple yeah. albums and playing little coffee shops around the country. Whatever it is, the answer to the question, what does it take, is fucking everything. It takes fucking
3: every single... What are you willing to do? Yeah. What
0: are you willing to do? And Total. are what are you going to do to find enjoyment at it? Not if, but when it goes slower than you're hoping. Or not if, but when it's not going the way you want it to. You know, finding the things that make it sustainable for you on a spiritual and psychological level. You know, we talked. We talked about this last night when Tony and I were uh, cutting down weed. Um, We (laughs) had a discussion (laughs) probably close to ten years ago. Now we were on tour, and this was after Tony had basically gone back home to Chicago and was working things out with Laura. And this is when. You know, all of us were in committed relationships and children were in the future and on and on and on and all these things. So it was probably more like, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. We sat down as a group in a friend's house in Portland, Oregon, and we watched, I made the guys watch this uh, Simon Sinek video on YouTube. Simon Sinek. Um, And we had a discussion about what our new why was going to be. Because when we were in our teens and 20s, our why was party. Party, get loud, get laid, get wasted, fucking, just go in, ah, just, just bone a hole to the center of the earth and get drunk. That you was pretty much. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's got to go through that, I think. But then when we were getting older and we were getting more serious about things, and I wanted to keep being a band. And so we sat down as. I had to figure out a new reason. We had to figure out a new reason. And what did you say, Tony? <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tony. Tony was like, Tony's like, huh? You're right. We, uh, my reason used to be getting drunk and getting laid, and that's not part of it anymore. So uh, fuck you. I'm out. I guess I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> but then we started. That's not true. But then we started thinking of a, of, of a more, funny, a more man. mature adult. Mature and adult. No, something more uh, that resonated more deeply with us, which is, you know, we want to have fun with our friends. That, that's pretty
1: much where the new album line came from. The front, the front lines, lines of good times, times the yeah. sworn enemies of bad times. Yeah, we want to have fun
0: with our friends, playing music and traveling the world, bringing
1: joy into people's lives. It, like, also, it, it Being in a band and trying to go on tours and negotiate pay and all that— it really really really, really helps if you have a guy in your band that does all of it and does all of it well does has the level head has has all the research has uh is not has gone through all the bullshit to get as good as they do at it yeah you have you're to one be, of them, you're one of them, my brother's one of them you know
3: yeah, you just have to make sure that everybody in the band is is on the same page that you're on. And that's not necessarily easy. Right. It's not easy, but but once you get there, it makes it easier for that person. Well,
0: it needs to be discussed. <laughs> right. It needs to be discussed often and explicitly. You know, everybody needs to everybody needs to be party to the ongoing, constantly
1: evolving band vision. The the, the. Our band in particular has has changed in that way. It's like an unspoken rule. We everybody can drink as much as they want, do do whatever the fuck you want before, during, and after the show. But nobody really does anymore. Everybody kinda holds it back a bit, you know, because Well, because uh, there's because, this ownership in the there, Yeah, there's there's, the whole there's, thing. there's a lot more responsibility and, and gravity to the situation. So everybody's on top of their game in one spot and then trying to do the next part of the night and the next part of the night, and then once all that's done, it's like now you can do it. Uh, th- th- if I could go back and tell myself. If we can do that back then, be a lot more successful now. Yeah. If we did that, if we did that younger.
0: Yeah. It's, it really is more, about, it's, it's less about winning and succeeding and obtaining this, reaching this distant shore. Like that's the shore we're going for and we're going to get there. It's more like a guiding star. Sort of thing where you're like following it and you're going, hey, we're having a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. Let's kind of just aim for this idea of what we want, which is going to constantly change and grow and evolve. But it's just let's follow this thing that brings some joy into our lives. Yeah. And I and I said this to you when we were driving thing. the other day is is do it until it stops being fun. And then when it
1: stops being fun, it's either time to quit or recommit. No, you didn't even say quit. You said, he said, and when it stops being fun, we'll reevaluate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> reassess. Always
3: reassess. Yeah, yeah always reassess. reassess.
1: There was no quit. It was just, and then we'll reassess. We'll reassess. <laughs> we'll recommit. I, like well, that. Cause, cause I, I, knew, I knew just like y- your brain is so committed to the band that even when you're talking, <laughs> you can't even say the words for the theoretical situation of this star burning out. That's, oh man. But still, but I still suffer
0: over it. Right. Constantly. <laughs> I like it's like and when I'm, it
1: becomes no fun and everybody in the band is dead. We'll reassess how the band is. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I'm on my deathbed and and vicious throat cancer is taking my vocal cords <laughs> and all my fingers are missing and my tongue is cut out and I don't have any and the eyes rest of the guys are dead and the rest of the guys are dead and I'm just a fucking like quadruple amputee laying like. <laughs> If when I'm just a brain in a jar hooked up to nodes, <laughs> and a rolling blackout decides to take out the grid that my fucking brain is plugged into, uh, we'll reevaluate. Yeah, yeah, we'll reassess. Uh, On that we, note, i that not. I want to take a break. Yeah, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about. Oh, Mike, I hope I hope that answered your question to some degree. If there's if there's anything. Um, Anything else I can add to that for you, please don't hesitate to, to write. Anybody else, uh, you, can, you can write us uh, via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, our website, or you can email us directly at mfruckusinfo yeah. at gmail.com. Build
1: your relationships. Don't be afraid to ask.
0: Yeah. Build your relationships. Don't be afraid to ask. Experiment. And drop a little money. And use your network.
1: Yeah. Use your, use your friends.
0: Yeah. And let it be, be cool. okay. That it's going to be kind of shitty. Yeah. And you're going to have to build something. Decide what you want and then figure out your plan to do it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
2: <laughs> and
1: we're back. you remember the old days when it was just, okay. Okay.
0: So. Like pretty much anytime we came back in, back in, I either said so or okay.
1: Yeah, well, you hit the phone first.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Want <laughs> to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, first and foremostest, very mostest, our most venereal, nay, venerable sponsor, the one and only Jerry Matula, Matula Plumbing,
2: Matula.
0: This <laughs> plains Illinois shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our number one priority. Your shit is our bread and butter. 2011 Angie's List, Super Service Award winner. You really only need the one year. And 2011 was a good year. He'll wear the booties for you. Tell Jerry the boy sent you Nug Nation Studios in beautiful Denver, Colorado, where, uh, man, we got some big stuff in the works. Stay tuned to see some big, 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 big things coming out of the Nug Nation Studios. In the meantime, you can catch up on all your favorite episodes of the Nug Nation by going to thenugnation.com and see the Nugs and Diesel and 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 Bong Burgundy and and. Girl Affie. Scout Cookie and Affy and, and all the <laughs> wild, and all their oh wild adventures. Can you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> the town of Nugville, Colorado. The best homegrown comedy in years. Ounce for wait, ounce for wait, ounce for ounce, the best homegrown comedy in years, thenugnation.com. Check it out. Evergroove studio in beautiful Evergreen, Colorado, in the Shadow Mountain region.
1: It's badass.
0: Yeah, it's fucking hella badass. Stay tuned for a very special live stream listening party yeah. episode of the motherfucking podcast. Around May 27th. Live from Evergroove Studio uh, at the end of next month. Man, I cannot wait to do that. Even if we don't sell a single record, that is going to be a fun episode. Just hanging out. Oh, we probably won't be able to smoke weed on the air though, because I don't think Brad lets you smoke weed in the studio. He doesn't. Ooh, so
1: hopefully. that's gonna be a problem <laughs> for you, maybe.
2: <laughs> Solar power. Yeah,
1: you ever walk out front of the studio and just rip yeah, a can joint you go outside? Yeah, yeah we'll you go, go outside, outside, rip a joint, and look at the fucking beautiful. Beautiful Shadow Mountain area. Uh, It's so gorgeous out there. Great place to shoot guns with Belgian people. Yeah, man. Uh, Check it
2: out.
0: Yeah, And it's a pretty good studio, too. So, uh, hey, give me some 50s commercial music. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. But it's also an amazing recording studio and a, um, a great place to make art. So, go see Brad and Jenny about your next project. Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios... In uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado, hourly rehearsal spaces for bands fully equipped. Rocket Space, you ain't got to carry shit.
1: You ain't got to carry shit.
0: And they're really good at communicating with their clients, too. I just got a text message from Rocket Space letting us know that there's construction in the area and to, like, watch where we park and shit and, like, allow a little extra time to get there. That's very cool. That's – that's – that's a company that cares. Companies that cares list winner 2019. I created Companies That Care. Hi, I'm Aaron Howell from Companies That Care. This week, we'd like to give very special appreciation to Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios for letting us know there's construction in the area so we can get there on time. <laughs> Flipside music on South Tacoma in Denver, Colorado boutique style guitar shop, uh, amp shop, pedal shop, just cool shit shop, all the stuff you want, none of the stuff you don't, and uh, man, a really super cool guy named Ike behind the counter will take really, really good care of you. He's a badass, badass, badass man. Go see Ike when you need some shit. And see what he's got there. He's got some very interesting guitars. He he comes into some cool shit.
3: Yeah, you probably sound really good, but you'll sound even better. Oh, if you go to Flipside Music? Flipside. Where'd you get that guitar?
0: Guitar Center? Mm, sounds like shit. Where'd you get your guitar? Flipside Music? Amazing. <laughs> or no, no, this is... Okay, here's my commercial for Flipside Music. Hey there, where'd you get that guitar? Guitar center. Ew, gross. Get out of here, loser. Hey, where'd you get your guitar? Where did I get my guitar? Flip side music. Flip side music. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I suck your dad? My clothes dissolved (laughs) from all the acidity in my vaginal secretions. Ah. It's, it, it's seriously, it'll take the skin off of your fingernails. It'll take the enamel off of your teeth. It's like, it's like drinking Coca-Cola every day for 20 years in 20 seconds.
1: My car's fixed! My car's fixed! Oh, your car's fixed. Oh, my God. It's great. Oh, fucking
0: thank God. Uh, mutiny Information Cafe, the motherfucking podcast is, of course, a mutiny transmission. Mutiny Cafe, Mutiny months. Information Cafe on 2 South Broadway. They are the coolest place. They sell records. They sell books, tons of books. They sell coffee, great coffee. Um, they host uh, cultural events and live performances, including, including music and magic and comedy and poetry and and socio political discussions and film viewings and and. Dude, he's got to be the coolest
3: store in Denver, dude. It's just it's more the than a store. Of thunder, they sell I've seen it there. Yeah, they do sell Thieves of Thunder. They're out of the Granny Tweed tapes. Whoa, the two that that's, they have The super, they super, but the they two, still have Thieves of Thunder. That's sad. I gave them a couple copies of that. I bought a copy of <laughs> Thieves of Thunder from Mutiny. Okay, Whoa. Cool. I did it. When did you? When did you buy that? That's that's cool in general. So it's been a while. Yeah, I hope. I mean,
0: they're they've got to be sold out by now. All two of them. All two of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. It, you can get uh, copies of the Frontlines of Good Times, Chapter Two, from Mutiny. And uh, even if they're out of our shit there, which they very well might be, go stop by, see Matt or Jim or, or Charlie Fasano, Charlie the City Mouse or uh, Corey Healy. Or, He's got a new book out. Or, uh, Charlie the Charlie, City Mouse has yeah. a book out. Awesome. I got to yeah. check that out. Full of drawings and poetry, man. Yeah. Stop by Mutiny Information Cafe and tell them the boys sent you. And finally, <laughs> last but most, the beautiful people who back <laughs> us. I'll wait. It's okay. I'll wait. Bless you. You stink more I, than my baby. I'm not really here, you know. You know, are you with us? Yeah.
2: Am should I, I leave? Should I leave?
1: All right. Listen, Tony. I just you're not very present. Big shout out <laughs> to the punk rock conico on <laughs> Ethan Downing. <laughs> they do amazing work. Oh, you took it to the punk quickly. rock conico? Yeah. Remember, Justin was running that shop for yeah for years, like fifteen years or something. Yeah. He ended up moving to Alaska, and he's the one who fixed my ride the last Ooh. time, and I kind of had the same problem this time. And asked around, and nobody said they knew, like, a reliable mechanic or whatever. I called him, and he said the new guy at the shop was Dynamite, and I went there today, dropped the car off, and I just got the call that it's fixed It's nice to
0: hear that the tradition has continued at the Punk Rock Conoco.
1: Yeah, so Shorts was working there for a little while. Yeah, Shorts I, was working so, <laughs> for a very short, short amount short of time. time. <laughs> I, I was, I was, uh, I saw him at Barracuders or something uh, after one of the jams, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm working at the Punk Rock Conoco, and he's got his fucking Conoco shirt on still at like midnight, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I bring the car into the shop today, and uh, I was like, you know, I was referred here by Justin Howington, and, he, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I go, hey, man, does Shorts still work here? And he goes, no, and I go, Good. I'll bring my car here, and he laughed his ass off. He goes, "I don't fucking blame you, man. I wouldn't want shorts stuck into my car either." I think. Uh, do you think Shorts got his um, his uniform was just
0: the sample that the uniform company takes around to show no, people it's, it's what they're? Is that shorts?
1: Is that shorts on his fucking shirt? Yeah, I, mean, I know. But he had know, a big old cowboy hat on that night too. Like, if you
0: ever like when when I go to when I go to blackout screen printing to get our shirts done? Andrew has a folder of tiny little shirts. To show you what the shirts look like, so I imagine that the uniform company that made the uniforms for Punk Rock Conoco just had a book of tiny little versions of the uniforms, Shorts and so and the guy at the Punk Rock Conoco was like was like, "Oh, I'll take that. Oh, you, how many of them do you want? No, I mean, I'll take the sample. I got a new guy I hired, and none of our uniforms fit him." Shorts is such a fun guy to hang out and drink with, man. Love you, Shorts. Love you, Shorts. Uh, Shout out to Shorts. Shout out to Shorts Uh, Shorts McGraw. Uh, uh, Sponsored by Shorts McGraw. uh, The 32 amazing people. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the 32 amazing people who back us via a small monthly contribution on patreon.com slash mfruckus. Our patrons get access to pretty much our band thread. That's yeah. what you get access to. Yeah. If you if you back us on Patreon, I pretty much send stuff to the band, and then I send it to you, and then
1: a few weeks later it it gets released to the general a, public. A few weeks somewhere. later, the band finally gets back to you, and then wants to make some changes, and by then it's already <laughs> yeah. released. And it's like, oh, I already gave that to the because patrons, the patrons so. were, so did, they said it's okay. Yeah, and they, they said it's, it's good. good.
0: Yeah, and that's the people we're out to serve, man. So thank you so much, guys. You. Uh, You really make our dreams come true. Like, we're able to do do so much of that support. So, thank you so much. So, real quick, before um, we get into the big topic of the big news and the big event that I went through last week and why we didn't have a show, because uh, because I got to bring uh, something in from nothingness. Yeah, which was really fun. Um, I do want to talk about one thing that came up this week is uh, there was a very public and very heated um, pylon against the Viper Room this week when uh, Flex Bronco drove down from San Francisco to LA to do two shows at the Viper Room with Junkyard. Um, And according to what I've read on the threads – did not get paid a dollar. <coughs> Did not get paid a single dollar for, for going down there. But and is, is, isn't Viper Room a pay-to-play type of place? So this is the thing. And I've got mixed feelings about the whole situation. So basically what happened is Flex Bronco went down there to play. They didn't get paid anything. And then um, Phil, our good buddy Phil, who we yeah. love very much, uh, f- shout out to Phil if you're listening. You're probably not, but Phil. Hey if, Phil. If, or if any of the Flex Bronco guys are listening, we Lord. love you. We miss you. Please come to Denver and hang out with us soon. Um, they went down to the down to the Viper Room to do a show, and they didn't get paid, and were they, they felt they were treated um, poorly, and like you do on the way home, you have your fucking you have a lot of hours to bitch about the club and bitch about it's the Call Van Talk. Van Talk. Is what we call it, and um, Phil posted about it publicly. That's and not
1: quite Van talk. That's
0: not Van talk. <laughs>
1: You're supposed to
2: leave
0: that at the, in the same van. time. Now that's the thing, though, is like on one hand, I kind of went, "Ooh, that's that's not what I would have done," but at the same time, the Viper Room was subject to a pile on. They were vocal in defending themselves and kind of. You know, cast a lot of shade on on Phil, and it and it turned into a big argument, and turned into a a big shitstorm of just people all piling up on this guy while this guy's like,
2: "Fuck you, fuck you, fuck
0: you," you know. While the Viper Room defended themselves. I, I wonder what the agreement was before the show. See, and that's the thing is, there's a lot of parts to this, and and it's like, okay, on one hand, I think that Hollywood is a total fucking waste of time. I think Hollywood is shit. No, because it's fun. I, okay. If your purpose of going to Hollywood is if, just to have fun and, do, yeah. and like, hey, let's go have a tourist experience. Exactly. But keep in mind that is fun, though. That is fun. But keep in mind, places like the Viper Room and the Whiskey a Go Go are tourist traps for bands, period. Oh, but that's, They're that's tourist traps. That's not exactly true. Or their showcase rooms, where like labels and A and R guys will come and have their bands play a showcase. Look, you know, we, you know, Laura's dad just played there, not that like a yeah, year ago. Yeah, but
1: he did it for that Access TV best tribute, Band. the, the best tribute, the ten best tribute bands in the world, and like they, and Eliminator was on there.
0: It's like, dude, going to the they whiskey, go go, flown
1: out there and put up really well, and parted at the rainbow afterwards. I mean, but, it but that's that is because
0: cool. somebody booked it out for that. For the most part, you are paying for the stage time we, we did and it. the room time. So, okay, first time we went out to Hollywood and did this experience, what I would call it, we played the Viper Room. The staff was very cool to us. We had a fun show, but we had to buy our own like, – like, basically, they said – you are going to be given tickets, and then you will be paid based upon those tickets. So we said, what we will do is we will buy all our own tickets, and then we will sell them to our friends. Now, that didn't work out, but we did get a little money back at the end of the night. You know, we got our percentage of ticket sales or whatever. We made a little bit back.
1: Yeah, because people came to that show. Yeah, and we had people that came to We had friends, had friends see in us. L.A., and we had friends who flew in for that show.
0: Now, at the same time, we didn't hang out with any of the bands that played that night. Yeah. In fact, our friends Witchburn yeah. um, with uh Misha from the Stoned Ever- Evergreen Travelers and and Jamie who used to be in Hells Bells and, and and now in Witchburn as well. Um they uh they showed up to play and their load in wasn't even until after our show. Right. Like these rooms they work were basically you are essentially effectively renting stage time and room time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of people use it for showcases. A lot of people use it because we all have that pie in the sky dream of like I'm gonna play on the Sunset Strip at the legendary Viper Room and and Mr. Big is gonna come see me and reach his hand out like that's what they're selling. But that I'm is like anything. Huge. I thought it was cool, dude. It's it and it was awesome in that sense. We threw a party with our friends. It cost us a lot of money, and we got to say that we played the Viper Room, and it was cool. We did the same thing at the Whiskey A Go-Go, and that night, it was a lot more um, showcase type of things, but again, had friends come out and see us from kind of all over. It was fun to put on our resume. It was cool to hang out in the dressing rooms, but we didn't meet any of the bands. We didn't have the same crowd as any of the bands, and... They treated us like it a fucking Hollywood walk-up fucking tourist attraction. Yeah, but
1: but I it, I we got, got
0: ha- we got to play there. I got to have a drink. And it was Lemmy fun. afterwards. Now it was that, fucking tight. That being that being said, yeah, you got to and you got to go meet Lemmy at the at the Rainbow Room, and that was a cool I Got to have a drink and Dado. talk about the Beatles with him. It was
1: fucking like, sweet. I understand. That's a great night. I played I, the whiskey and go-go, and then hung out with Lemmy.
0: I under- that was Great. So. I understand that that's the way Hollywood works, and I don't expect much else from it. That being, you know, now, but now that we've had that experience, we don't play there. Right. When we go to L.A., we go play in downtown L.A. at the Redwood or uh, like the five-star bar or something like that out there. Yeah. Right. Um, <sighs>
1: yeah, I mean, now if we, the, if we the, go play there again,
0: we got to get paid at the same at the <laughs> same know. time. But I'm really happy we paid the first time to do it at the same time it's really fucked up that like basically they were told you will be taken care of that's what they were told and they drove all the way down from san francisco did this show left with nothing and I, I, i feel like there was there was missteps on all sides here for
1: sure but like, mostly, the point being is that... But
0: mostly, I do think that even though I am not a fan of social media pylons, they gross me out, I do think that venues like this and semi, <laughs> I don't know, scene unfriendly practices in the music industry, like... Seen in, unfriendly scene unfriendly seen Scene or like independent unfriendly practices, like by venues and promoters, I think they need to be subjected to social correction. I think that those models are outdated, and I think that places like the the Viper Room and the Whiskey-A-Go-Go and, and Hollywood music industry in general needs to be taken down a peg a little bit because they are profiting from the unrealistic lofty dreams of... Uh, of young musicians. And to me, that's not very rock and roll. Yeah.
1: you know. And the other side of that coin is just don't play there.
0: Yeah. And now the other side of the coin is I don't think it's wise to air dirty laundry on social media personally. That's just yeah. like I, especially because you never know what the miscommunication might be. You never know what it could lead to eventually. I generally, if a club fucks us over, a promoter fucks us over, I remember it. And I just go, I'm not dealing with that person again. I will not promote them again. They will not be my preference. But I'm also not going to make myself a participant in, in mudslinging.
3: That sounds professional.
0: That, you know what I'm saying? Now, at the same time, I'm glad someone did it. Yeah. At the
3: same I'm time, glad it wasn't me.
0: Yeah. At the same time, I'm glad that I'm glad that there are people out there who are call out cowboys, who are willing to begin the discussion of social correction. Yeah. Um, I and at the same time, um, man, that the big lesson here is. Get it in writing, get it in writing, get it in writing, get it in fucking writing, man. Especially if you're going to drive a long distance. Like, even if it's just an email that says a specific number, and make sure you are going to the person who is supposed to pay you and directly asking them for, for the check at the end of the night. Go flex, man. where to stick it to them. Take yeah, them man. I mean, Fuck the yeah.
3: email chain is definitely king. Yeah,
0: no, it's yeah. it's great. So um, it's replaced the contract. So yeah, so well, not replaced. But um, man, for those Sometimes. of you who are listening on this on this subject, uh, we would really like your thoughts on it because we have a lot of mixed feelings about situations like this and pay to play situations and uh, situations of who's responsible for getting paid and what can you realistically <laughs> expect. And it, you know, it's like we went on a tour to Europe. And didn't find out we weren't getting paid for a certain number of the gigs until after the tour was over. Right. And now that was a shock. To the headlining man, too. That, yeah. It, it, well, well, maybe. We don't know that. was mean It was a shock, that? but it was also on us for not getting that explicit information. And we had an amazing tour. We had amazing shows. We had an amazing experience. We sold a shitload of merch. We were able to make it work, but I kind of was there with my dick in my hand at the end of it, and I had nobody to blame but myself. It was my responsibility for not asking the questions because yeah. I didn't want to, didn't want to queer the deal. You know what I mean? Like, oh, That's if the I worst
3: feeling in the world, dude.
0: Like, I don't want to pester in because they might go. You know what? On second thought, you're off the tour. You know what? On second thought, you can't play our venue.
3: Why are you asking me these questions?
0: <laughs> what do you think I am? Some sort of professional businessman who works with this on a daily fucking basis? <laughs> ask questions yeah. for the love of God! If I can, if I could just, man, do you remember how mad you guys used to get at me for just like booking shows and showing up and like nothing was worked out because yeah, I was
1: afraid to fucking ask. Both dude. both you guys get mad at me when I. Have anything to do with booking a show for the same damn reason to this day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But
3: you had that's that's how you learn, man. That's exactly yeah. how I learned. Yeah, it's just if you're trying to you really have to ask those questions, and yeah, you can't be afraid to do it. Yeah, it's the only way you'll know. That being said, only go to Hollywood
0: if you want to go to Hollywood on vacation. Treat it no different than you would go into Paris
1: to see the Eiffel fucking tower, man. Seriously, yeah, you know, like. I'm thinking like uh, guys who build cars, you know, or, or, or rat rods or whatever. You know, they 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 chop their bikes up. You can do throw money at a bike or a car and and throw it, money at it over and over and over again and get it exactly the way you want it. And then when you go to sell it, it's not going to be nearly worth what you put into it. You know, yeah. Some guys are car guys. We're in a band. Yeah,
0: exactly, dude. It's like it. it I kind of look at this situation it's like, it's
1: like, like we can we sell our band. No, but you probably wouldn't want to anyway. Same thing with the guys who have the really fucking crazy shit they did to their cars, you know? Do you remember years ago when we played um,
0: the Stork Club in in, uh, Oakland? Oakland. In Oakland. The Gunshot Club. And at the end of the night... We hadn't hit the number to meet their minimum. Like, basically, the first 20 tickets they keep to pay for their sound costs and to pay for their bartender and shit like that. The Stork Club. Yeah, the Stork Club. There was nobody there. No, no, no. That was the bartender and the owner. No, that was a different time. The time that we slept on the patio at the Stork Club was, oh. was when we played with those weird fucking touring death, from, from death rock plans. That's a different time. Oh, fuck. I'm talking about the time that we played at the Stork Club, and a bunch of people did come see us, but it only ended up being about 19 people. And basically, they said, at $5 a piece, your first 20 people go to us to pay our costs. Like, the first $100 in the door goes to us, right? So, at the end of the night, the guy comes up, and he goes, we only had 19 paid. You know, you guys didn't make anything tonight. And then... You know, we're a touring band. And I tried to negotiate with him. And I said, listen, man, you know, the only reason you guys made any money tonight was because of the people that we brought in. Can you call your boss and work something out with us? Is there anything we can do? And then the guy lost his temper with me. And he goes and he goes, "What do you want me to do? Reach into my fucking tip jar and give you some money?" And blah, blah blah, and we got into this argument and I'm, dude, I've heard
3: that so many times from clubs. Do you want me to reach into my pocket here? Do you want me to reach into my tip jar? Yeah do you want me to, if there's Yeah always, there's always a place that they're reaching for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and
2: cash.
0: it's never in their hand right away. And it's like, I, I feel where they're coming from. I do get it at the same time, bars, clubs, man allocate a budget to be able to kick the band some fucking gas money dude if they're entertaining your patrons if they are if they are up there they're doing their job and they're working hard and they fucking they handle themselves like professionals break them off something man yeah just give give us something man it's in your best interest to do it because then Bands that do get pit. Now, I won't call you out on social media, but a lot of my friends will. Yeah, I have some friends that are not ashamed to to pop their top over some fucking just unkind, indecent shit that you you are doing. A rising tide lifts all ships, man. It is in the best interest of everyone. If you a hundred bucks, you throw a hundred bucks uh, at, at a band when they're when they're coming through, and they'll. You you pay their gas for them, I mean, yeah. e- even a, even a, a, a one drives worth of gas would just it goes such a long way. That being said, bands get it in writing, get it in writing, get, get it, it in, in writing, writing. get it in writing, and stand behind your merch table. Stand behind, yeah, be behind your merch table the whole time. Take responsibility for your outcome. You know, that's that's the best piece of advice I can give on that. So, oh, um. Yeah.
1: I'm, oh, yeah? I'm not, not going to say anything about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a little off-the-air action that uh, we'll just... Uh, ooh, hmm. Just ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 me put, let me put it this way. Everyone in the, who is in the room for this podcast right now, the three of us in the room for this podcast right now, could name off a whole bunch of clubs that and a, bu- a whole bunch of local bands and a whole bunch of promoters that did us dirty. but we won't but someone will
1: keep someone, that in someone mind. probably already has
0: somebody or somebody already has you There's know a what lot i mean it to be
3: said for like writing summaries that aren't specific that's that's what i have done after See, some tours i, I thought I've, the I've, segment I've would like i thought the summaries.
1: segment would be like 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 that if i would have told this this segment it would have been a club in hollywood with a buddy's band from san francisco i don't i mean i don't know man i I, that's how i would have well this is
3: about a particular like calling out though right
0: and i kind of I i kind of feel like if you take it to a public forum like that it becomes it becomes news if the president says something on twitter it's news you know what i mean and i think that even applies to further down the chain a a conversation in a public forum is not a private conversation if you have engaged, if you have taken it to that level, and here's the other thing: is the Viper Room could have stayed out of it and contacted Phil separately, yeah, and said, yeah. "Why don't you take that post down and let's have a discussion?" But instead, they chose to engage in um, a mudslinging campaign, which is going to happen if you own a business. It's like it's like people who like. Somebody rags on um, your place on Yelp, right? And do you take the corrective action and contact that person and go, hey, we're sorry that you had this experience. How can we make it up to you? Or do you get into a fucking argument with your customer on Yelp?
1: If you're really funny, get into the argument. You have to check out Galway Bay back in Chicago. There's this Irish bar next. That's to- part of their thing, though. So fucking good. Like
0: if I opened a club, I would be like, it, there would be a big sticker on the front door that said, "Fuck Yelp, we don't deal with Yelp." If you, <laughs> it like all all Yelp reviews will be subject to ridicule. That would be part of our thing. But what I'm what I'm saying is like the Viper Room had this opportunity to just either smooth it over and ignore it, and they chose to engage in a public shitstorm. Yeah. And, and that's not professional. And that's not professional either. You know, a, a pissed off band doing it in one thing, uh, a pissed off band doing it is one thing, but the venue that is supposed to be the professional institution, I think that they have a duty to, to handle it according to decorum.
3: What's that about two
0: wrongs? <laughs> what is that about two wrongs? This is a song I wrote in the park the other day. It's called <laughs> Two Wrongs. Don't make a right. but that made me feel a whole. Anyway, lot better. enough about that. Enough about that. Let's for the How last much time. Do you have? We got about a half hour before I got to go do this. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Nailing it. We got. Nailing yeah, we're doing good, job. man. We. Hey, good job, dude. Timing our segments is helpful. <laughs> I mean, I imagine we're not doing it now. This is just an amazingly uh, smooth show pretty smooth it's pretty smooth. it
3: feels like it's the appropriate amount of time
0: yeah, yeah. it sure does so uh, so I, I want to close out the show um, I want to talk to you about my experience uh, siring a child bringing bringing my son into this world for those of you who, who don't follow me on uh, on the channels on on Instagram and Facebook I, I am of course on them personally as well as with the band But uh, my partner Sarah Tice and I welcomed our first child into the world last Sunday, March 31st, at 6.33 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Excellent. Ransom Howell Tice came into the world, a.k.a. uh, Ransom the Ripper. You can follow his exploits at hashtag Ransom the Ripper on Instagram. Is that true? Oh, yeah. That's the one that Sarah's been using. I also use Ram the Slam, Ram Jam, Ram-a-Lam, or Ram the Lamb, Ram the Ham. Um, Jean-Claude, Ram Dam, uh, Ram Bam, Thank You, Ma'am. You know, I got a bunch of them. Yeah. I, dude, I got so many names going for this kid. Rambo, that's another one. Uh, yeah, man. It's. Uh, it was fucking a crazy, uh, intense labor our entire birth plan went right out the window,
1: yeah, so so you guys had the idea of a natural birth, right yeah, so we were our plan was we've been
0: going um, we 've been going to the mile high mid, uh, midwifery or the the Midwif- mountain midwifery clinic here in uh, Denver, which is <laughs> fucking awesome. The midwives there, the people there are, are really amazing they 've been walking us through the whole thing. We did all the classes, you know, uh, the, the ones that Jan said, totally useless. Um, Were they? No. <laughs> they weren't totally useless. i went into I'm this, just asking, man. We know. went into this whole experience so well-informed, and at the same time, even with all that information, even with all the preparation that we did, even with, like, with everything that we did to prepare for it, nothing could prepare us for it. And I told you, and and it, and it all, it all went out the window. So three o'clock in the morning, Sarah wakes me up and I'm like, you know, and she wakes me up and she goes, she goes, babe, babe, my mucus plug came out, which is like the hottest thing a woman can ever say to you. Right. (laughs) I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Talk dirty to me, babe. But she goes, she goes, my mucus plug came out and I go, Oh, great. And I went back to sleep. And then a few hours later, she gets me up because she's having contractions and we're getting there and her water hasn't broken at this point, but like other signs are starting to come up and, and she's got, she's got the bloody show and she's getting the contractions that are getting closer and closer together. And so it's fucking time, right? It's on. So the, the, the number is three one, one for your first kid. So it's contractions lasting for three minutes, one minute apart for at least an hour. So we get to the point, midwife tells us to show up. We go to the midwife center. They have like a, the midwives are in rotation and they're on call. So whoever you get that day is whoever you get. And it's Sunday. So it's Sunday. So the place is closed. We show up, doors are locked. So Sarah's just like leaning on the car, just laboring on top of the car. You know what I mean? They go, oh, sorry about that. They come open the door, they get us inside. We get in and we do all the birthing center stuff, which is, You know, moving from the bed to the ball to the floor to this position to that position. And the midwife is checking the heart rate and doing all these things. And Sarah's mom is there reading from this deck of, like, empowered birth cards. And and I'm holding her hand and getting her water and getting her snacks and rubbing her back and, you know, helping her get from point A to point B. Sarah is just warrior champion. Just, like, you know, in extreme pain. You know, in labor. I can't fucking but just imagine. Like,
1: but just, like, dude, totally... Also, Sarah has told me her story, and I really couldn't imagine natural childhood. Dude, it's man. it's fucking crazy. Like, and and she's just... but
0: Please don't go into all the details I, on the air. I, I won't go into a ton of detail, but <laughs> I mean, she, I don't I don't mind, but
1: I just don't think she'd like that.
0: Um. Well, but at at the same time, the thing you got to know about Sarah is she also, from this experience, feels like... A lot of women are kind of under-informed about their birth experience. And there's a lot of, like – have you ever heard the term mommy shaming? Like, it's like – Do I look like a guy that's heard of mommy shaming? No, it's like a whole world of people who just go (laughs) – you will know about mommy shaming within a year. I guarantee it. Where it's just, like, all the people who, like (laughs) – Go on and they... I go to
1: Randall Conrad Olinger shows, man. I don't know what mommy shaming is.
0: I'll bet you Randy knows what mommy shaming is because he's got two kids in the world.
1: Um,
0: Well, mommy shaming is basically like people who throw shade on women because of their, their various... Birthing choices or child rearing choices—just anything associated with that with just moms dogging on each other about the way that they do things. Oh, you know, bitches. that's that's mommy shaming, right?
3: I wouldn't have chosen that doula.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, people who use—you know—who do live child. Like one example of that is like like someone that Sarah knows uh, or. Our our sister in law had a relative say, "Why do you want to do live childbirth? It's not like they give you a trophy at the end or anything." And <laughs> Richie gave her a trophy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Richie has actually given her two trophies for both kids. For both kids. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like Sarah had some lady who was like, "Ooh, you did your your uh, your childbirth without drugs. Did you get your gold sticker? Like that's that's an example of mommy shaming." Did you, you know? give her a gold sticker? Uh, Actually, I'll tell you what I gave her when we get to the end for a push present. I'll tell you about it. So we're at the birthing center. and, And, you know, like in the movies, it's like, oh, my God, I'm in labor. I hate you. Look what you did to me. It wasn't like that at all. Sarah was too busy being in pain to pay attention to me. So, like, she's going inside a lot, you know, inside herself and kind of just, like, you know, moaning and groaning and going through the things and and asking for things when she needs them and, like, like emoting a lot. But she wasn't, like, yelling at anybody. She was more, like, reaching out for support and help and, and really kind of focused on her labor. So, while that was going on, the rest of us kind of had to be, like, her team. You know what I mean? So, it's me sarah her mom and our sister-in-law slash doula and then the midwife and a nurse who's kind of like in, in and out we're going from the tub to this that and the other and we've got you know sarah's got some instrumental progressive fucking metal ambient she's got Have you ever heard water before w-a-t-t-e-r yeah yeah we've got water going on in the background
2: <laughs> that's great yeah
0: that was our water birth man so we're <laughs> isn't that great Dude, that's Almost going Sarah. on in the back. Dude. It was, my chick's fucking gnarly, dude. She's... Oh, yes, Okay, my unborn son went to more concerts
1: in the last year than I did. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a fact. So, um... Yeah, I remember your kid... I, was, I saw your unborn child at the Cannibal Corpse show. Yeah, Cannibal
0: Corpse and Morbid Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got to hear Chelsea Wolfe with, um... What is it? Russian Circles were on that one. Uh, Fleetwood Mac bunch of shows Sarah's got a whole list of all the shows Ram went to before he was born yeah well Sarah has good taste Sarah's fucking gnarly, dude she's a, she's a cool lady Um, so uh, long long story short the um, he wasn't he wasn't uh, he wasn't progressing the labor wasn't progressing um, they kept checking his heart rate and the more she would push the more his heart rate would drop so they were like, he, obviously something is distressing the baby. We're going to try one more push. And if, it does, and if it doesn't progress, we're going to call EMS and we're going to have to transfer you guys out. So do the one more push and nothing's happening. So they call EMS. Ambulance comes to the birthing center. And as soon as the paramedics walk in, Sarah is just like, drugs, give me drugs. She's like, please, I don't want to be in pain anymore. And uh, they're like, okay, Sarah, we're going to get you on the, in the ambulance and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to get you there and we'll get you taken care of and get you something for the pain. Be like, and they turn to me and they go, they go, dad, do you have a car? Do you want to follow us there? I was like, I follow you. No, I'm, I'm... getting in the ambulance. <laughs> so I like toss the keys to Sarah's mom. I like give her all the stuff. And I'm like, you got this, right? City? Okay, bye. And I jump in the ambulance and. You know, my heart's going a mile a minute because I'm fucking – dude, I'm scared. My, yeah. You know, my girl's in an ambulance and and things aren't going as expected. So already the birth plan is just like – it's out the fucking window, right? Like no birthing center. Boom. Out of there. Remember your list of do's and don'ts. Oh, donks. dude. We wrote out this whole list. Like Sarah wrote – this is – okay, this is part of my job in the relationship is – Sarah says things or writes things out, like she wrote a, a bunch of rules for the baby, and then my job was to cutesify the rules and soften them a bit so that they wouldn't come across as curt and rude and fucking. Sarah. <laughs> Just and Sarah esque you know, and I and I put them on a little cute pink background with a little baby graphic, and you know, like that's my job in the relationship is. is You're I'm a gifted I, writer. Aaron. I'm the spin guy. You know, I'm the softener guy. I'm the I'm the diplomat so one of the things that we did is i took her preferences and broke them down into a very basic set of i do's and i don'ts like this is what i do want this is what i don't want and and you're supposed to have that on a three by five card that you bring with you to the hospital oh, keeping in mind there and how well no it, it the version that we had was one page it was short but i just had it on a file on my phone so i had to get the nurse at the midwife center to print me up a bunch of copies and we take it with us and we got to the hospital at six o'clock they pull sarah out of the ambulance and she's of course going please i don't want to be in pain anymore ah! you know just like i i'm like i'm crying because my girl's in pain you know yeah. we get in i've got the stack of the birth preferences and they get her on the table and at that point, it's just like, the shit's going down, dude. So we had to, I had to toss it aside. And she didn't want to be put in a hospital gown. They put her in a hospital gown. She wanted to be able to give birth in any position that she wanted. They put her on her back in stirrups. She didn't want use of a epidural. You know, she was screaming for an epidural at this point. They were only able to give her a local, which didn't even kick in by the time that he showed up. Um, she didn't God. want. Damn. She didn't want any type of uh, uh, cutting, episiotomy sort of thing. They had to do an episiotomy. Like she didn't want any assisted um, uh, birthing techniques. So no vacuums, no forceps. They went in there with the shiniest pair of goddamn Fires. silver, you know. All bets are off, dude. Yeah. Uh, it, dude, it looked like salad tongs. And this doctor is this, this little old man named Doctor Hall. He's got hearing aid and gray hair, and I guess his wife's—I uh, guess his wife's a midwife. He's got eight fucking kids, and Jeez. he comes in and he's just like cool as a man, just like. Motherfucking cucumber. Walks in just like, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing okay? All right, right on. I'm Dr. Hall. Let's get that baby out, shall we? Da, 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 da. They take a fucking wand with an electrode on it. They stick an electrode in my fucking kid's head up inside, you know, my wife's body so they can measure his heart rate. And they they're, were like trying to get her to push. And I saw Sarah reach a level of primal intensity that i had never seen before like i got to see her breakthrough thresholds of behavior you know what i mean yeah yeah. like i saw her in pain and in an emotive state that i have never witnessed on her or any other human being ever you know what i mean it's just like that intense like natural primal like "Ah!" you know getting him out and there's a video of the birth. And oh, I forgot to tell you this. This is great. So I'm standing there and I'm going, "Come on, baby, push." And I'm loud as fuck, you know. So I'm like, "Come on, baby,
2: push." Da, 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 da!
0: And they go they go, "Sarah, we're going to have to do an, uh, an episiotomy um because we got to get him out of there. He's got the cord wrapped around him, you know. He's not uh the, the birth isn't pro- pro- progressing the way we need to. We're going to have to perform an episiotomy. And before she can really say much of anything, they do it. And the sound of it hits me in the side of the head. And I visibly, I visibly shudder and kind of went, and the nurse standing next (laughs) to me grabs me and goes, grabs me and goes, don't look down there. Look at her. If you feel like you're going to pass out, sit down. And I'm like, huh, okay. So I grab her hand. And by the way, Jan, if you're listening, the clump together fingers thing, y- either Daphne has superhuman strength or you're a bitch, my man. Because I just, <laughs> I held Sarah with the bro grip the whole time. Oh, he says you're a bitch from fucking across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying it, man. I Adam's gave her the bro grip. The yeah, he's going to bop you so good. I, I, gave, I gave her the bro grip and she squeezed the shit out of me, but it... What's I mean, the bro grip? Is, it, is that this one? This is the bro grip. All right. I did that one, and I did this one, too. I did this one. The, I let her okay, hold my hand. regular did, handshake. Yeah, regular the, grip. I did all of it. And, yeah, and the it heart hurt style. a little bit. It hurt a little bit. I mean, there was pressure there. She was in fucking labor, but it wasn't enough to break my fingers. It wasn't enough that I was concerned about. I didn't need to roll my hands into do a fucking crane stance, you Belgian bitch. What? Over the top. Yeah. <laughs> Over the top. <laughs> maybe, uh... Maybe. No, I'm saying Jan is a Belgian bitch. Maybe
1: Sarah's just got weak hands.
0: I don't know about that. Or Daphne's super strong. I think, listen, Sarah and Daphne size-wise, like, Daphne's smaller than Sarah is. I would say so. Yeah. I do want the two of them to meet. I think they would have a lot in common. Anyway, so so then about this point is when the video that Sarah's mom started taking starts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we're yelling at her to push, and you can hear me just going, "Come on, baby, he's pu- he's almost here, he's almost here." I see like the very top of his head come out, which is in salad tongs, by the way, which he's fucking yanking. And the doctor didn't like, it, like you and I were talking about this, Tony. We would have done it all like gentle and well, yeah. We don't know what we're
1: doing, so like, someone's like, "You have to take it out with these tongs." We'd go there, like, "Holy shit, holy shit!" You put it all. Sl- is that too hard? It's it's so Stop soft. pulling. No, dude. No.
0: Yeah. Those doctors are just like, they know exactly how pliable and resilient the human body is. And they're like, let's get this thing out of here. He like grabs onto these tongs with like an overhand grip so that he can get a good pull on it. And
1: like, dude, you see this guy's, he must work out because his muscles are just like, bam. The only well, thing. Well, he delivers babies all the time. He He's good he, at pulling nine pounds of oh, D- flush out of people. Dude, I was waiting for him to put his foot on the table to give himself more <laughs> fucking, <laughs>
0: more torque. He had that old man strength, man. Dude. And he pulls, he pulls my kid out and I see the top of the head and I didn't really know how big he was at that point. So I had the top of his head and I think that's his whole head. But it's just like their head shrinks kind of into a cone so that they can right. fit. And he, the head comes out. And on the video, you hear me go,
2: oh, my God, baby, he's here. He's fucking gigantic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they pull him out. He's, like, got the cord wrapped around him. He's kind of, like, blue and purple. And, like, and I get this immediate, like, panic. Oh, my God, no, 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 no. And and Sarah's like, is he okay? Is he okay? They get him out. He's, he's, he's tangled up. And I see his eyes pop open. He's kind of fucking stunned, and he's like, "Who the fuck are all you people?" Looking around, and like little kind of sounds start coming out of his mouth. And they get him up, and they like they kind of like rub him down with uh, receiving blankets to to stimulate their body and whatnot. And they put him on top of sta- uh, on top of Sarah, and she's just like she was telling me just like how insane it is to just feel a living thing come out of your body and then be placed. Immediately on top of you. Now that was one pres, uh, preference that we did get that was very cool. Is we wanted immediate skin to skin contact with our kid, and then um, they did. Uh, we wanted we had wanted delayed cord clamping. I don't know for some reason some article Sarah read or something, but uh, they're like, no, we can't delay it. We're we're kind of worried about meconium in the in the blood and whatnot. So we got to cut the cord now, and so they let me cut the cord, which took two tries because it's. It's a lot gummier than you think it's well, going to be.
1: You've got to measure twice, cut, once.
0: Measure twice, cut once. But no, I, I did that, and then they, um, they put him right on top of Sarah. <laughs> He's going to have an Audi. They put him, they put him immediately on Sarah, and, and you could see it in the pictures that just like I'm just like crying and I'm like, I'm like, hello, my boy, it's so good to see you. And it's so loud. And I guess the doctor looks over, uh, over at Sarah and goes, you think he's excited? <laughs> And uh, they took him and they they put him on the warmer and, you know, right there in the room. And I'm sitting there talking to him. And, and I'm like, hey, Ransom, it's good to see you, buddy. I'm glad you're here. Just so you know, they're going to take some blood from you to test some thing, test your blood sugar. They're going to put some ointment in your eye and da-da-da. And, like, being there next to him, I think, kind of calmed him out a little bit because mm. he was kind of stunned by the whole thing. It's like he heard my voice talking to him. And I'm like, you're going to be fine, bud. We're going to give you back to mom here in a second. And he just... Sat there and chilled, and um, yeah, man, it nice was uh, it was incredible. We, uh, we we ended. Unfortunately, we ended up stuck in the hospital for the next two days, which was not our preference. The birthing center, we would have gone home after four hours. We ended up in the hospital for two days, and and you know, there's people in and out every hour. Um, you know, it was awesome to see you guys, of course, and our friends who stopped by. <laughs> but the like the hospital people, it's like. You know, in comes the doctors, and in comes the nurse, and in comes the pediatrician, and then comes the lactation expert, and then comes the photographer. All the doctors that know the peppers. Yeah. Well, Tony showed up with a case of Dr. Pepper for me, which was very sweet. (laughs) Laura brought a cactus. Tony brought a case of Dr. Pepper. And it's just like, but even there in the hospital... Even under these less than preferable circumstances, just, like, we both felt this, like, immediate change. Yeah. This immediate, like, just a a level of, like, love for each other and for this kid that was hitherto unknown to both of us. And, And, I mean, obviously there's a lot more to the story, like the things that happened to the hospital and since we've gotten home, but... Just what you know, we don't have a ton of time to go into all of it, and I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners don't want to hear every. There's nothing more annoying than the new parents who are just like, "Let me tell you everything about my experience raising kids that you don't care about."
1: How long does this last segment like, been?
2: All
0: right, We're doing okay. Twenty-one minutes. Huh? It, it, so I guess, I guess I, what I, what I'll kind of briefly say to 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 kind of round it out is it's just like it's an experience that like i never gave the the reverence and gravitas that it deserved because i didn't understand it because i hadn't experienced <laughs> it and now that i'm experience now that i've experienced it like immediately overnight a different part of my brain and a different part of my heart opened up hmm. and i feel bad for all the shitty things i've said or done or inconsiderate ways i've behaved with relation to people and their kids when jesse and ty came to see me the first thing i said to jesse is like i'm so sorry for all the shitty things i did when <laughs> you and ty were having kids yeah i'm sorry for all the inconsiderate shit i didn't know any better i'm sorry and she was cool She was like oh that's okay you know Cause Jesse's like, awesome, like yeah, that. Justin but like, yeah, there's
3: stuff you just don't know until you know it, dude.
0: It's it's crazy, and it's like That's I deep. like overnight, dude. Like dead baby jokes stopped being funny to me in in after high school, but now they are like downright like not cool to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like before, it was like ah dead baby my, jokes,
1: whatever. They're da- kind of played out, now they're like fucking gross. My dad was telling me about that uh, when dead baby jokes because I was telling him it was happening. You know, I I remember them in grade school. Yeah, and he said the first time he heard about dead baby jokes was from this guy on a construction site, and and uh, it was when me and Nini were like babies. So like he he said he was gonna whoop the guy's ass. He's like, hey, cut it out with them fucking jokes. Yeah, yeah. He said no more like that. I'm gonna beat you to a fucking pulp.
0: Yeah, yeah. It 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 stops being funny. But one of the thing, it an amazing thing that has happened is like you immediately kind of get you're right. You immediately get plugged into this club. Of like the people who are like pro baby and they just want to help you out. Like our sister-in-law and our brother-in-law, like our sister-in-law gave us like 10 frozen bags of her own breast milk. What? Just in case Sarah's didn't come in. Now we ended up giving it back because Sarah's now, you know, within a couple of days, Sarah's breastfeeding like a champ, right? Right. Like, killing it. She's a she's a goddamn warrior, dude. She's amazing. Like, watching her become mom. But, like, the people who came out the gate and just, like, supported us right away. Yeah. You know, we're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And there's, like, our pediatrician. Fucking amazing. Our We met this postpartum doula who came over to our house and cooked for us and, like, taught us some things and listened to us and was like, you don't have to pay me anything. Like... If you got twenty bucks, that's cool. If you want to cook me a meal or give me some like homemade jam, that's cool. If you wanna recommend me to someone else, that's cool. Or if you wanna pay me my regular rate, that's cool too. I'm just here to help you. Cause I fucking you know, I believe in karma and and you know, we're we're all gonna pay it one way or another. Yep. And uh Well good. And just like the friends coming to visit and how much closer it's brought us together like it changed it changed the dynamic of our relationship overnight you know I've been able to show up and be like the instincts kick in immediately and it's like Sarah changed her first diaper six days after he was born because that's just how I was uh, on top of it I was right, you know I'm like we uh, a friend of Sarah's um, had told her at our house the way we handle it is I handle output or I handle input, dad handles output. So mom feeds him, dad cleans up the diapers. And I was like, <laughs> great, I got a job. I got a thing I can do. And like, I thought that Crying was going to be hard to deal with. I thought that, like, diapers were going to be hard to deal with. I thought it was going to be stuff like, well, I guess you just love your kids, and so you just kind of accept it. But nothing he does bums me out.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: I'm excited to do all of it. It's like, oh, I got to change your diaper? Cool. Let's hang out. He's screaming in my face. He screamed so loud he busted a blood vessel in his eye, and I just laughed. You know, it's like, oh, dude, what did you do? <laughs> you... And, like, he surprised himself and stopped crying and kind of went,
2: whoa.
0: I really got a little out of control there, didn't I? But it's like, it's it's, it's an interesting thing that, uh, yeah,
1: there's so whoa, much man. to it. I could yeah. talk
0: about it all day. I'm sorry. I know I'm, like, fucking just going into one thing after another.
1: but It's all good. You're excited, man. It's I'm super, good. Oh, man. I'm I'm really super for pumped for
0: you. I'm super excited. I'm like... I can't wait for it to happen to you and you, because I know, like I feel like every I used to look at it a much more from much more removed perspective and and think like, well, some people want to have children and some people don't and and da 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 and it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, it's like, I mean if you want to bring a child into this world, stop procreating and blah, blah. like I kind of had that attitude a little bit. And now, having done this, I'm like, man, I really wish that everyone could have that experience. I really wish that every, everyone could have it. You know, I understand people. It, my heart goes out to the people who have tried and haven't been able to and – or the people who have, have gone from it and tragedy has taken it away from them in some way. And honestly, my heart goes out to the people who, who don't want it. Hmm. Because hmm. it's so amazing, like it's like, "Oh man, but if you would just try it, you'd fucking love it, dude, and so i try I try to appreciate it and be grateful for it on behalf of all the people who will never get the chance, because it's that fucking amazing,
1: hmm. well, that's great, man. I'm really happy for you, yeah, yeah. it's exciting. you look really, really excited <laughs> you'd think, yeah, yeah. My,
0: my mother, my mother-in-law, had to come up to me in the in the delivery room after Ransom was born, and and I'm there talking to him, and I'm being loud, I'm being me, yeah. And she comes up, she goes, Aaron, he can hear you, be quiet. <laughs> it's like he has excellent hearing, like it he is brand new. His hearing is perfect. He's really sensitive to it. Just shh, like I got <laughs> trashed the way I was talking to my old kid. So yeah man, fucking thrilled. yeah, fucking thrilled. So a big shout out to everybody at uh, the mile uh, the Mountain Midwifery Center and uh, Dr. Hall and everybody at Swedish Hospital and all our friends and family. you guys especially man. Tony, Tony has called me almost every day just to make see if we need anything. Not only that, Tony told, called me one day. And told me he wasn't gonna have a car in case I needed anything. He's like, hey, I just wanna let you know I'm not gonna have a car today, so if you need anything, you know, I might let have to borrow a car, let me know that. now. And I told Sarah that. She was like, he is so fucking sweet. Well, you're a good egg. All right. You're a good egg, Tony Lee. That was private. It takes a village, man. It takes a village. It it definitely takes a village. And that that's one of those platitudes that we kinda throw
3: around. But it's absolutely totally fucking true. It is absolute well, you have you have a lot of nieces and nephews, don't you? Yeah. Actually my my sister who just we moved her up from uh, Austin to Longmont, a little four month old, you know? Yeah. So it's you know, it's a brand new experience. Because of that
0: situation with your family that you've been dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so man. So
3: everybody's just, like, circling the wagons and doing everything. So it's, Yeah. You it, know. It's amazing. Yeah. It's
0: amazing what people do. And when Damien had Desi, yeah. just the way your whole clan just kind of gathered around Damien and Emily. and Emily and Desi. And even though Emily and Dee aren't together anymore, like – she is still treated like part of the clan. She's still honored as... As Desi's mom. As Desi's mom. Yeah. You know, it's amazing what it can do for people. And it breaks my heart when I see people trying to destroy each other around kids or fighting each other around kids or yeah. custody battles or, or any of that nonsense. Because it's like, man, this is like... This is the most blazing roaring bonfire your tribe could ever hope to gather around it's an incredible thing yeah and um yeah man so uh i hope i didn't lose my edge at all i hope this hasn't made my um my sentimentality uh 10 times worse than it even was before i didn't get the nickname feelings for nothing and I'll now say it's moments gotten, but now yeah. moments and feelings it's it's gotten 10 times worse
1: um at the yeah, same m- time... Mom- moments is now, what, what is it, 27 Moments? <laughs> <laughs> are you saying we should close off the show? I fucking lost it. Oh, man. Yeah, I, don't know.
3: I think we're at 2027.
0: 20, uh, whatever. Um, you do gotta get out of here anyway. Yeah, I do gotta get out of here. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm really happy for you. I really am. I'm, no, thank
1: you, man. I yeah, appreciate it. I can see how happy you are. I'm, I'm thrilled. I can't thrilled. wait to come over to your and Sarah's place so we can uh, give you the thing.
0: I want to have, so first of all, I told you I want to have the, wife, the wives take over on the show. I want, to do, I want to do an episode of the podcast. Maybe when we're on tour sometime, we can have the girls come in and just take over the show. That would be great. But I want to bring the boy on be here. be Gordo wrangling point. all the cats. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they. So
3: Sarah we have said. We a box of wine sitting right here. <laughs> I'm going to have my wife come in and produce it. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go.
1: There you go. Hell Yeah.
0: Well, hey, uh, thanks to everybody for listening yeah, to the podcast. We're really grateful for you guys. Thanks, um, Gordo, for well,
3: being here. thank you guys.
0: Stay, yeah, man. Thank you, Gordo. Stay tuned for, uh, for everything we got. Oh, yeah, and Gene Skibbins. Shout out to our, uh, our post-producer extraordinaire, our co-producer, the man, the man, Gene Skibbins in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Thanks to everybody who helps make this happen. We really appreciate it, guys. Thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned for everything we got going down. This has been the motherfucking podcast. My name is Aaron Howell. I'm Tony Lee. I'm Gordo. See you next week, guys. Bye. After dark.
1: You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com.
0: Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime.